probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hud, and joining me as ever in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. And in honour of his apparent appearance in the Clone Wars Season 7, this guy is a Falene crime lord with a spicy top knot. Once Legends Now Canon, it's Prince Blyzor. <laughs> Prince Blyzor. There we go, people. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know how Lucasfilm are helping him out here with that Clone Wars episode reference. Matty boy, I love it. You naughty little spicy lad. How on earth are you? Very good, mate. Very good. Um, I've been, been enjoying the weather this weekend, you know, uh, for the situation we're in. It's been great. I've been going, I've been, I walked 15 miles in two days nearly. I am shattered. And I've also got to the point in my life now where, um, we're homeschooling at home, both of the kids. And um, my youngest, she she did some really good work the other day. She's writing her name out. She's only three. She can write her name. Good girl. And, you know, you know, and her mum said, oh, that was so good. And, of course, you know what's coming next. I've just chimed in in the background. So good. <laughs> so and no one knows good. what's going on. And I keep doing it. And I can't stop whenever someone says the word so good. So, Dandelorian, Blilo. Thank you very, very much for driving a wedge between me and my kids. That's Thank you. Na- that is a naughty little factoid. I'm all about that. But, uh, how are you doing, mate? How was your weekend? Yeah, mate. It's been all right, you know. Like, um, it's been sunny. It's been beautiful. Man, I'm telling you, like, the spring in England this year, ironically, Ironic. has been, like, stunning. It has been <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. Like, the whole country is green and lush it's sunny it's like it's like one's out there it's like the perfect weather it's like 20 degrees celsius 20 like mid 20 some on some days and it's like it's just it's really pleasant it's just really nice and um yeah it is just you know ironic ironic yeah so um yeah, there's that. Um, mate, gone Uber Eats discount, didn't I? So got 50% off my curry that was delivered that on loyal Sunday. Customer. No, do you know what? It wasn't. It was, um, I had to go to a different curry house. I had to try a different curry house. And, oh, is this two weeks on the trot? I've talked about yeah, curry. Absolutely, <laughs> mate. They say right, isolation is going to make <laughs> us all big and round. It is the only thing keeping us sane, I think, in the Bly household, in Blighty Towers. Um, no, so um, yeah, we Uber each just sent me like a fifty percent discount. Nice. <laughs> I was like, you weren't okay. going to say no So I got this up like, fat off curry with loads of sides and naan bread and rice and that, and it was like fifteen pounds, which which is cheap. Did you tell Mrs. Blair you paid full price what, for one pocket the other fifteen yeah. <laughs> quid? <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't work quite like that. It, I think, yeah. I think if it works anything like that, it's the other way around in the Blair yeah. household, man. <laughs> um, but no, bro. I, I'm telling you, I am ready. I am ready to talk Star Wars. I am like so up for Star Wars chat. There's been so much Star Wars content talk, and I'm I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling very Star Warsy. 
I'm quite happy to hear that because you know what? So am I. And as the host of Star Wars Sessions, that's a good feeling to have. Um, before we jump into the news round, though, uh, next week, Star Wars Day, um, people, few people have been asking, do we have anything planned? Well, Luke, do we have anything planned? Of course we got something <laughs> planned. Come <laughs> on, guys. Right. Come on, mate. <laughs> right, so spicy, spicy people. Um, Instagram Live. If you have not got Instagram, get it. Download it. Install it. Sign up for it. If you ain't logged in in ages, log in. Because at 8pm British summer time, Monday, May the 4th, we're doing a cheeky little live show. Just on Instagram Live. Me and Matt are going to be on there. We're going to be able to take guests. You're going to be able to request to come on. We're going to have some people join in. We're just going to be chatting and hanging out. So during the day, watch your Star Wars films and that. And then come join us after. And we'll have a few pints. And we'll have a chat. It'll be like we're down the pub. It's going to be, it's going to be absolutely ace. Um, so that is going to be at 8pm London time. If you're in New York or on the east coast of the US, that is going to be at 3 p.m. If you're in Los Angeles, it's going to be midday or on the west coast, that's going to be midday. That's going to be at 12 p.m. Now, if you're in Central Europe, like Paris or Germany or whatever, so on and so forth, that's going to be at 9 p.m. And if you're in Sydney, Australia, I'm looking at you. Well, I don't know if he lives in Sydney. I know he lives in, you know, that bit of the world. I'm looking at you, Darth Dildo. You're going to be up early with us, mate. At 5 a.m. you're going to be joining us because I know you're going to want to do that. Um, and that's it, people. Eight eight PM British time. It's gonna be it's gonna be bants. I can't wait, mate. I can't wait for those uh, for our patrons. It'll be it'll be like a visual podcast. It's gonna be wicked. And um, for those uh, listeners who aren't a patron, it'll be like a visual bantina. So yeah, come along to be honest. We can't wait. And um, yeah, Star Wars Day. We're coming for you, and we can't wait to hit see what you guys are be doing for it. So eight PM BST. That's it. And all you need is your phone. It's not. It's not going to be on That's YouTube it. or anything big. You know, we we decided this is one of the most accessible things you can do. So the if you're just camera, there, like doing the washing up, you can join in. If you're even like watching something, just have a song in the background. And be like, oh, look at these mugs. <laughs> you know, it can be great. Yeah, you could see the lighting will make me look better as well. But yeah, we'll put some more announcements out that during the week uh, about that. But yes, that's what we're going to be doing. So we mentioned the galactic news round, Lukey boy. Shall we do it? Let's smash it, mate. The Cassian Andor series is confirmed to be set five years before A New Hope. Genevieve O'Reilly is also confirmed to be returning as Mon Mothma. Dr. Afra is getting her own audio drama. The first comic line is being adapted and expanded with a full voice cast, and the release date is set for July the 21st, 2020. The Rise of Skywalker is coming to Disney Plus around the globe on May the 4th, 2020. Leslie Headland is reportedly helming a new female-centric Disney Plus show set in a different part of the galaxy and timeline. 
Variety is reporting The Mandalorian Season 3 has been confirmed to be in development. So this week for our main discussion, we thought we'd go back in time, but not too far ago. Only about, well, four, three and a half, four years ago now. And we're going to be talking about Rogue One, but we're not going to be talking about, you know, how good that film was or wasn't, or wasn't that Vader scene just the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life of all time ever. We're going to be talking about what could have been. What could have Rogue One been? It's, reported, it's well reported that there were reshoots. Tony Gilroy was brought on to, you know, effectively redirect the film and, and all that book like you've heard before. But recently, the screenwriters, Gary Witter and Chris Weitz, did a watch-along of Rogue One uh, with IGN, and they... They sat there and they, they, they kind of commentated on parts of the film, but they also dropped some fairly new information. Some's old, some bits are old, but some are new information about what changed during production and what might have been. So we thought we'd bring you some of that and also some other sort of notable amendments, which uh, we've known about for the last few years. But thought this is a good little thing to chat about, didn't we, mate? Yeah, man. Like so, so basically, um, like you said, mate. Like we all know, Rogue One was a crazy production. Um, I remember because my missus at the time in 2016, she lived up in Birmingham still. She lived up in Berms in the 0121 and I'd be driving up the uh, M1 motorway here in the UK, which is an absolute mare of a road on a Friday. in the world as well. Um, bro, that flipping road. I'd literally be traveling on the three busiest motorways in the UK (laughs) on a Friday. Must have Um, been love. That's love for you guys. That is love. Um, but listen, like, so I would, I'd be listening to loads of Star Wars podcasts on the way. And actually, that that was, um, I've been listening to Star Wars podcasts for years. Um, but I, I remember listening to these reports of the Rogue One development and how much of an absolute mess of a project this film was, or reportedly so. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really strike much confidence into many people. I think it wasn't until we went and saw Rogue One and we saw, wow, you know, that was good, you know. And and, and it had mostly positive reviews. But, dude, you know, four years later, which is crazy to think, four years later, I think this is seen as one of the best Star Wars films ever made. And in some people's lists the best Star Wars film ever made, which is crazy to think that it's had these kind of production issues. Um, but previous Star Wars films have also shared those production issues. So we thought we would dive into this one. Our source material uh, comes from an interview um, that Rogue One screenwriters, Gary Witter and Chris Weitz, Chris Weitz, um, Weitz, Weitz. Chris Weitz um, did uh, not that long ago. It was like a week ago. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. And we wanted to dive in. We, we've got loads of audio clips here from that interview they did. Um, we're going we're gonna to dive into it, and we're going to share your opinions on them because, guys, there is some weird stuff in this. There is some weird stuff. <laughs> um, but I, I guess we're going to start with one of the most – one of the more palatable – um, bits yeah, yes. of, of the interview, uh, title choices. Uh, Matty boy, should we jump in to the audio? I think we should. Should we press play? Let's, let's press do play. it, man. Let's let's do it. 
we were kicking around titles for this, right? Rogue One was was a good choice eventually, but but one of them was Dark Times. We had a lot at one at one point. Um, John Swartz, uh, who is one of the one of the creative ex- film, um, uh, had a list, and we all kind of voted on the ones that we like. I contributed to like Shadow of the Death Star, all these kind of very fancy titles. One of the things that occurred to me was I went back and looked at all the previous films. And all of, and this is actually, it continues to be true even after, even with the sequel trilogy now being completed, the titles of Star Wars saga films are always either three words or four words long. They just all are. Um, and so it occurred to me that one of the ways that we could differentiate this movie from the rest is we had a title that was only one word or two words long. So like Star Wars Rebellion, Star Wars Rogue One, um, you know things like that. I, 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 let's let's do a let's do a title that's shorter. So right away, even from the title of the movie, you know this is something that doesn't necessarily um, conform to the unwritten rules of the saga film. There you go, matey. So a couple of choices there from uh, Gary Witter mainly, um, and I like what he said about Star Wars titles are three or four words long. Yes. Now, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that like that, but yeah, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, The Empire Strikes Back, um, A New Hope, as it's now known, Last Jedi, and that. And then they wanted to differentiate. And that's something we'd heard about for a long time, that how different would a standalone film's going to be. And in terms of the title, you know, going for yeah. just two words works. And Because I also mentioned Dark Times, Shadow of the Death Star, or Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah. And they also said that, you know, Rogue One was actually a pretty sweet title to end on. And I, I agree, but I hadn't actually thought about that, mate, the, the number, the numbering of words in the title. Yeah, man, I, I thought that was jokes. As soon as I heard it, my eyes lit up. And I was like, oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> so obvious, but... That's a, that's a class point. And just uh, while we're talking about, like, these titles, Dark Times, eh, Shadows of the Death Star, okay, Rebellion, uh okay okay sounds like a fanfic do you remember the episode nine titles we got we were getting off the internet last oh, year these are similar yeah. to that <laughs> yeah star wars episode nine the raylo force baby strikes yeah, so back like the crazy stuff. everything <laughs> yeah. crazy stuff but um no mate like rogue one like that is head and shoulders above any of those suggestions. Like I couldn't believe those were some of the suggestions because they do sound, with all due respect, like they are straight from a fan fiction. Dark times. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> it's terrible. You know, like, it, That's it not just, even fine or okay. It's terrible. And it and it doesn't tell us anything. It, it doesn't it doesn't say anything from Shadow of the Death Star. Okay, that's a bit more suggestive. Same as Rebellion, but again. Rebellion is too broad and maybe a bit too singular. Like, or, or well, actually, no, the opposite. It could, it could mean many different things. And Shadow of the Death Star just sounds a bit too cheesy. Like, it, it almost implies Death Star is like a character in itself that is aware of his actions and stuff. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, no. Rogue One. Man, what a choice. What a choice. And I remember when they first came out with that and they were like Rogue One and Star Wars Anthology or Rogue One Anthology. Um, I was still down for it because I was like that Rogue One. I was like, oh, that is naughty. It just sounds filthy, doesn't it? Rogue One. Because we know in um, Empire Strikes Back, you've got Rogue Two on Hoth. Yes. But, and yes. So it, just tying it into that alone, it fits thematically with the saga. 
But it just sat, even in even in hindsight, when you you could love this film, you could hate this film, and you never know. We might give our rankings for this soon. We'll find out what we think about it. But mm. Rogue One, compared to those, wink, I mean, wink, heart, <laughs> yeah, Dark Times. Rebellion, I mean, Rebellion to me is too on the nose. It's too literal. Everybody knows Rebellion, Empire. And and again, Star Wars Rebellion, that's... It's a good name for a game, for like a strategy yeah, exactly, game. Yeah, it's too all-encompassing, like a... but also too vague at the same time. Um, whereas Rogue One, that sounds, you know, also sounds cool. It sounds like Zero Dark Thirty. It sounds like Black Hawk Down, Rogue One. It sounds like the film we got, you know, that kind of like what turned out to be the boots on the ground war film. For sure. Um, Rogue One. I can imagine that, you know, like a World War II film being called Rogue One. Um, so even in hindsight, it's not even just us being blinkered. From the from the titles that we know they were playing around with, and these are three of the ones that um, Gary and Chris gave us, Rogue One is head and shoulders above the rest. If I had to pick one, I probably would pick Rebellion out of the ones they've given us, Star Wars Rebellion. But Shadow of the Death Stars 2 is too lengthy and it's too that's too kind of EU for me. I can imagine it being like released in like nineteen ninety two as a hardback. Dark mm, Times I mean yeah. Dark Times, man, that's that could mean anything. Like that also that also sounds so like a couple cool. of guys are drunk in the Bantina. Dark Times, man. It's Dark you know, that, Times. Exactly Dark Times. That could be any time. So Rogue One work, works for me. So in terms of the title, I think, and it sounds like you do as well, from what we know, I think they nailed it. Yeah, I totally agree there, man. Um, now, on, on to the next topic that they spoke about. And, and this mm. one, I, I clearly and vividly remember being very split on this. An opening crawl. Well, the way that the movie opens is really the, one of the first interesting conversations that Gareth and I had. Well, well should there be an opening crawl? We, but I, I did write one. You did, You'll you never did. see it, but <laughs> I did. Uh, I wrote I wrote more than one uh, back it back when we were still experimenting with the idea of maybe doing one. But one of the things that, that we arrived at fairly early on in the process was realizing that it was okay to liberate ourselves from the traditional storytelling language of of Star Wars and a lot of the a lot of the visual tropes, the certain you know the iris wipes, uh, the opening crawl, things like that. Um, we felt like these standalone movies had more license than the saga films to try and do something a little, a little bit different. So there's one out there. It's it. This is one that's going to get get us talking and get people talking. There's a couple on this list that will, but this is one of them. I I remember saying to a guy I know, great hair, good looking guy called Luke Bly, that I I wish beforehand I I, was, I thought they were going to do an opening crawl and that they were going to do it in blue, light blue, like the Star Wars light blue, and so they could differentiate the standalone films to the Skywalker saga films by the colour of the crawl, something like that. And even then, the crawl didn't have to be quite so long. I thought they were going to do one. Um, and when I went in to watch the film, and a long time ago comes up and it just goes, boom, and you're in. It was it was a shock. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. But I, looking back, I don't mind it. But if you don't know Star Wars, if you don't know Rogue One, if you don't know about the, that the seven words in the opening crawl of A New Hope, you won't know anything about what Rogue One is about. But then I also counter that with you, most people go and watch a film at the cinema and don't know what that f- film is about either. You just pick it up as you go along. So there, there's that issue. Uh, there's that, sorry, there's that about it as well. But it was one of the big, big, big questions, wasn't it? Should there be an opening crawl? And Gary has written one. He said, you're never going to see it. 
Um, in hindsight, it doesn't bother me whatsoever now because, you know, it's, the film's out. It's been out for four years now. But it did kind of get me when I watched it. I was like, oh, I wish they had an opening crawl just because I'd want to see how they described that the galaxy at the time. But I think the film did a good enough job of doing that. But in terms of then and now, what are you thinking about the lack of crawl? Yeah, I think it, one of the things that always strikes a chord with me is that opening weekend watching Rogue One, it was definitely missing the fanfare at the start for a Star Wars film. And I'm speaking as someone who's in that moment, in that present. Now, I love it. I think it was actually the right choice to make because, like you said, it really does differentiate it from the episodic films. This is different. Now, and I don't want to make this into a different conversation but I will just mention this because I think it's warranted. Um, Solo, a Star Wars story, copped out of that. Yeah, they 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 do a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Blue writing, famous. Now, we got that in Rogue One. I love that because that makes sense because it is. It is in a galaxy far, far away. Mm-hmm. And then it continues with other blue text. And then more blue text. And oh, then more. No, so no. basically, it's like a micro crawl. It's just um, a crawl. Yeah, they should have. They shouldn't have done that. They should not have done that at all. That was a mistake. Rogue One got it right from a from the quote unquote a Star Wars story um, point of view. I think it was the right decision to 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 do because you know even without the context, like you said, like I don't think a lot of people would be super bothered by that. Um, but by the end of the film, they're going to know the context. Yeah. Have confidence in your story. Have confidence in your picture. And, bro, like, this film, it delivered. And it's it's crazy because, you know, actually, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to I'm going to say that in my conclusion. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to say that in my conclusion. But it's it's what I will say is it is lovely to see the behind the scenes um, workings of such a glorious star wars property yeah yeah peeking behind the curtain mate and um we got rogue one still had its fanfare after saw guerrera poked his bald bonce down the down that shaft he said my child come yeah yeah you ride. got the title in the stars and, and the title, stuff but then we've got sick. the it is and the music is mm-hmm. um, i think david collins said it on his oxygen show but the music is the star wars theme it's just inverted so it goes da da and then rather than going da 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 da, it goes da 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 da. It's the same notes, but just placed differently. Um, right. Which I found really interesting. Thought, actually, see, from that bit, I thought you were like da 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 da. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, classic ET. He was yeah, in good. Phantom Menace, so you know, <laughs> canon. Yeah. canon. Uh, but we got our fan story. <laughs> yeah, ET, go home. Um, e. e. Is going to join up with Sagarera this summer. <laughs> yeah, et go home. Um, <laughs> I, 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 but I love the fanfare though. Uh, in the cinema, I did agree with most people when I came out. I was like, "God damn, man, that that Rogue One font looks it looks really cheap." But that uh, that was on the big screen. It, that was the one thing. And when I watched it, I was like, "That font looks awful." The way it just sort of like zoomed back. But on, I don't know if they've retooled it for the digital and home releases because it looks different. 
now to what I, I watched it on Disney Plus the other day again, and it looks yeah, different. Mate. But I love the fanfare, man. So I'm I'm down for not getting an opening crawl because, like like you said, by the end of the film, the screenwriters have eventually done their job and you know what the film's about. So um, that's it. It's not uh, a big should deal. Should we move on to our next one, mate? Yeah, let's do it, man. This one, this one's uh, there was going to be a romance apparently between Jin Erso and Cassian Andor, which is something we've kind of touched upon in previous shows, but this is what the guys behind the scenes had to say. It was definitely a possibility. Yeah, uh, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it was shot either. And, and uh, you know, uh, I like kissing, and that's very nice and stuff, <laughs> but I think that there is a... The, the trope that every male and female, um, you know, hero have to kiss, have to be romantically involved, is maybe something that it was good to... Uh, just sidestep in this one. It's clear that they have it. Very, deep very, connection. very early on, there was more romantic chemistry, and I think it got it, it got scaled back less and less and less until now. I think it really is just kind of like a mutual respect um, that they have. They're obviously grown very close, but I don't think there's ever the hint of romantic. And I remember a lot of people finding that very refreshing that that the movie never went that route. My. I love this clip. Mm. I love this clip. And I think it really, despite the errors in some of this uh, production, I think they definitely went with the right choice. You know, the you know we're not going to succumb to a stereotype of, oh, it's a boy, oh, it's a girl, therefore romance. Or, or, or even it's Star Wars, therefore it's romance. Um, because once again, in an episodic film, okay, maybe, maybe, but in a standalone, no, this is different. And I think, you know, do, without skipping, uh, you know what? Oh, forget it. I'm going to skip to the end. The ending when they are just on the beach yeah. and they're dying and they're embracing, you know, that's friendship and that is respect and accomplishment in a scene, in a moment. And I think that they did that and executed that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Bang. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Production no, quality. Yeah, that's it, mate. The dream sessions, mate. Um, no, I think, I think they definitely, definitely made the right choice. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, there'll be, there are there are some films out there where, you know, at the end, the hero and maybe the one-time villain would, you know, save each other from death and then have a kiss at the end of the film. I don't know what film would do that, but um, whereas in this film, it worked. I mean, I've said it before, and, and you've said it as well. Had, them, had the two of them, you know, looked at each other's eyes as the Death Star blast was approaching and, and kissed, you'd be thinking, what the hell are you? You're about to die. Your thoughts maybe wouldn't be on that. It would just be like you said, the accomplishment, your father would be proud. And it's kind of like, this is the end, you know, and it's that, and it's kind of like you hold hands and you embrace each other as that kind of respect. And so you're not going alone, but um, yeah, the way that, the way that they executed it (laughs) was great. I think it felt more organic. It felt more natural. And there was, I think there are inklings in the film, especially towards the third act where, um, when at one point Cassian comes down the ladder and Jin was, just walks up to him and just kind of looks him up and down. And he does the same. And then she just walks off. I was like, hmm. Uh, where they maybe were hinting at it because they, they even said in that clip, you know, that, that they wouldn't be surprised if they shot those moments. 
And um, even in the lift at the end, when you've got the beautiful shot on the lift where the Giacchino score, your father will be proud is going. They're in the lift and the lights are kind of like reflecting back and forward off their face. As they're looking at each other, that's the moment where you think, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to kiss now. Um, but they don't. And I think the film works a lot better for that. The fact that it was just two, two soldiers or it was what they turned into. One was a, one was a spy. One was a rebel. And they, you know, they came together to, to pull off this impossible audacious mission. They did it together. They had that respect. Had they gone that angle, you know, it's, it is what it is. And again, it depends to how well it was pulled off, how well it was done. But um, I'm glad for one that they didn't. And I like the way that they did it as they did. And I'm glad that they, they, um, they broached this in their, in their um, watch through because, it, you know, it is a trope, as I say, it's a convention of, of most genres that, you know, you've got a guy and a girl who help each other or they start off as opposites and then opposites attract and all that. And by the end, yeah, you're like, oh, sure. here we go. But I'm glad, man, that they didn't do that. I think the film worked better for that. Not yeah, that I'm against I mean, romance, but of course. But I no, no, no. Better, man. Of course, man. Like romance has a has room in every fairy tale, but yeah, you man, know this this wasn't a fairy tale. <laughs> no, was it? You know, it was no. it was part of a bigger picture, and it was a war film, and you know, it, it was a sacrifice. Um, my father-in-law, who is who is awesome, he's a writer, very intelligent, learned man. Um, he was thoroughly impressed with Rogue One, really impressed with Rogue One. And one of the things that he was surprised about was, was I remember it to this day, it was the first time watching it, he was like, what, that, they, they all died? I'm so, like, yeah. yeah. He's like, wow, fair I enough. I like it. <laughs> I like, went, yeah. yeah. That's you want it, like, Go watch Pearl Harbor or something. Yeah, and that's why the layers scene is there, because the sacrifice wasn't in vain. Exactly. Do you think someone's listening? I think so. And then, you know, Leia and Radis, and then we know what happened after that, hours later on Tatooine and that. Exactly. So, um, exactly. I like, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that. And this next one, mate, was... Um, this next one would have mm. been a bit um, controversial if they went ahead with it, wouldn't it? Mm, yeah, let's let's hear it. In the original version here, and the Kyber Crystal, I think, is like the last tiny piece of that that's left. But the original idea was that... She was a she was a Jedi in in hiding, and um, that I mean it was, it was one of the first things that got that got killed, and rightly so. Again, and, and that was kind of a, a vestige of me as a fanboy wanting to feel like we we were checking all the Star Wars boxes. I remember saying to Gareth and to Doug Chang, who was in the room as well, um, that this is going to be the very first Star Wars movie that doesn't have a lightsaber in it. Like, how does that make you feel? And like, and, and they were like, it makes us feel great. Like, we want to do those different things. Of course, it ended up not being true. We have an amazing lightsaber sequence at the end of the movie. What do you think, Mike? I don't want to... I mean, each to their own. I like the idea of the Jedi somewhat featuring in the film. But I think Rogue One and Gareth Edwards and the whole team, the writers, Gary and Chris here, um, went for the right decision to be like, well, yeah, let's move away. Mm-hmm. Let's move away from from that. Well, you know, it's not a rule that there has to be a Jedi with a lightsaber in the film. Um, and I, you know, I don't think it took away from anything. You know, these were normal people, um, and I, lo- you know, I loved the way I added more mystery to it. So now, when we do see a Jedi, like in or, or a fallen Jedi, like Jedi Fallen Order, like Cal in the game, you know, it, it has more gravitas to it because you're like, "Wow, man! Like 
there weren't many of these guys around. They, you know, they are really rare. Um, the Jedi fallen statue yeah. on Jedi planet. Uh, you know, sweet, sweet, awesome. And it, and it says, it says a thousand words. Just that one image says a thousand things. So, you know, you don't need to know that Lyra is a Jedi in hiding. It's just, it's a lot more simple. She believes in the force. She believes in the good of the Jedi order. Trust in the force. Sounds good to me. I like it, mate. No, I can't. That's that's it. I mean, you pretty much summed that one up. I'm exactly the same. I I wouldn't. I just thought it would have been just like they said, box ticking. It would have been like, uh, it's it on the nose. World, it makes the world smaller. You like you said, you've got this. You've got the fallen Jedi statue on on Jeddah. Uh, director, director, director Krennic later on says, um, you know, we've we've destroyed. He says to Galen Erso on either. You know, you know, Jeddah city is gone. The last remnants of the Jedi. Um, and then later on, when Mon Mothma and Bail Organa are talking, they mention Obi Wan, and I didn't mention him by name, but your friend, the Jedi, and they mentioned the Purge, Order sixty six. That's all we need to know that they're still around, you know, or the memory or the shadow of the Jedi um, is, was still there without having to see like Lyra Urso or Lyra Urso at the beginning of the film, you know, swatting Death Troopers like they're flies. Um, I I like the fact that they they also open up their possibility that someone like Lyra or Lyra can without feeling the force or, or depending on what you what you read but she believes in it though you know you can believe in something without you know actually ha- having it being able to wield or manipulate it because we know that the force binds everyone together of course of course, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but i like the fact that yeah, there are people out there who, who just believe in it and I, I like that i like that i like it better than if rather than a blaster she whipped out a lightsaber on krennic at the beginning so I think that would have been ridiculous. I yeah. wouldn't have mattered who it was, whether it was Lyra, whether it was Lyra's brother, Galen's other son. It would have looked so stupid. Wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Exactly. And then two seconds later, it just gets, gets blown to pieces by the Death Troopers. But yeah, I, I'm glad that they went this route. And it looks like uh, Gareth Edwards and Doug Chang, they were desperate to not do that as well. So um, sure. that's just one of the reasons why you know, having people in that writer's room and rewriting films and drafts and scripts works for the best, for the uh, positive side of the story. And, so, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the next one, mate. It's the idea mm. that Cassian Andor was apparently going to be a double agent working for... Director Krennic. So what did the guys say about this? And then I want to hear what Bly Rector Krennic says. Very, very early version of this. Um, he was, in fact, kind of, he, he was a rebel soldier who's secretly working... Uh, for Krennic, but then, but then, as he as he grew closer to Jin and realized that the Empire had built this weapon, he's like, I never signed up for this. I didn't sign up for killing planets. Um, he he, you know, has a change of heart and and flips to the rebel side. But that's after he's exposed as a spy, and at that point in the third act, he kind of has to win uh, Jin's uh, trust back. That was all fun. That was all interesting. I think they actually shot some of that stuff early on. But I think the I think the this version ended up being kind of more nuanced and more interesting. <laughs> Ah, um, with this one, I really have mixed feelings because it's not like it's necessarily a bad idea. Um, it just seems a bit messy, seems a bit messy. And, you know, there's that moment where Cassian kills um, the spy at the start. Tivok, yeah. Tivok, the rebel. Yeah. I love that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think if he was a, if if Cassian was a secret imperial, um 
it would have taken away from that moment. Uh, and the reason I say that is because it showed that the rebellion, uh, and what, it doesn't matter what side you look at things, you know, there's still going to be bad things that happen. Yeah. Um, and it, I liked that. I liked that. So with the uh, final version of Rogue One, you have that. You have that the this good guy um, had to do this bad thing for the greater good, you know, in in a in a Star Wars world. Um, so yeah, because I, I I think on top of that, I think it's just a bit too convoluted, you know, with a busy story anyway. I think that would have been too much. You took the words of Mirath there, man. I was going to say, if you're going into a third act where they're having to um, have a space battle, a ground battle, and a, um, I can't think of the word, an espionage one, I can't think of the word, yeah, when they're sure. trying to break in and get their plans, basically. If yeah. they're then having on top of that, um, dealing with the, what the film deals with, and then the fact that he, that Cassie and Ischanu, uh regain everybody's trust, you know, you'd, you'd, that would add extra minutes or longer onto the film. Where and they'd have too many shots of of like Jin sort of side eyeing him with like I don't trust this guy or should I trust him and then there would be too many moments of Cassian saying you have to trust me blah blah and it would it would sound it would come across as a bit cliche a bit corny um it you know mm. it would take away mm-hmm. I think I think it would take away the tension because you you would have already seen that he was a bad guy and that he's now defected it would also be another story of a defector along with Bodhi and all the other ones we've got. In, in Star Wars, but you know, you think are they not going to play pull us a double bluff that he's going to be an Imperial who defects for the greater good? Actually, no, he's going to go back again to the bad guys at the last minute. I don't think that would have that would have been awful anyway. But I think the idea, I don't mind. I wouldn't the idea of him being a double agent actually isn't so bad. Again, it's still it is still a bit cliche as well though that you know that the morally ambiguous um, good guy is actually working for the baddies all along, but. I wouldn't have minded it, depending on how well they pulled it off. But I, I said before, when he at the beginning, when he killed the informant, I actually thought he was like a, a like a double agent at the time because I originally thought that you know he, he was he'd killed it, he got the information he wanted, and then he just offed him like he's an assassin. And then obviously the film shows that he wasn't. But I originally thought, wow, we've got a, a good guy taking the taking this information and then killing another good guy. Therefore he must be a bad guy. So I think that shows more my naivety than anything else. This is a guy who watches films critically as well, but um, man, I I didn't, I I wouldn't have disliked it, but I'm much happier that Cassian was just like a, he he worked more in a gray area for the most part of the film. I preferred that. Yeah. Sometimes less is more. That's spot on mate. And um, in terms of less is more, Guess we, well, these guys will take it away. We could have had an extra member of the rebellion. Here's what. Here's who could have been joining them. I, I did get shot down once by Pablo because I wanted a, a Tuscan Raider to have gone off Tatooine and joined uh, sort of guerrilla rebellion forces, and right. said, "No, they don't. They don't leave." There you go. Can any? Can you do an impression of these guys? By the way, the the raiders. Can you imagine that in the background of that scene where Jin's trying to um trying to convince the the rebellion to go and attack Scarif and uh, like what is she proposing and then suddenly in the background you just hear yeah what's going yeah, on it's like oh mate I, mean, I don't no, mind the man, idea of it, but that would have been I think it, that would have been for me too on the nose I haven't really got much to say about it other than I don't mind seeing a um you know a little Greedo in the background or 
um, that's what I reckon that because you know they're kind of, that's kind of like the aromat on the on the potato. But I could see a Tuscan Raider chucked into the middle of Yavin forward and just be like, "That's really odd," and that would have been a yeah. bit too on the nose, mate. It makes it makes sense. I love this point because it shows that actually the Lucasfilm story group have a little bit more. I I, I haven't had the best confidence in this story group. To to put it to put it you know bluntly, um, but this actually like boosts my confidence a little bit because yeah, a Tuscan Raider is a tribal creature. So like, it, I bet you know if there were billions and billions of them, okay, maybe there's going to be a couple like wandering around or whatever. But I think by the fact that they can't speak orally, that you you know you're you're going to be that they, they sign and you know scream. And you know, beat farm boys. I just think it's it was the right decision. It's the right decision, and I was really pleasantly surprised to hear this. So, like you said, I'm not, I'm not going to labour the point too much, but yeah, I was really pleased with this one. Yeah, I'd like to hear what you guys out there think about Tuscan Raider in Rebellion. But uh, next up, we've got a. Uh, this is the one. This is there's, there's two more, but this is the one everybody wants to know about. The first version of him, this is, this is you know, my, my great sadness in life, is that uh, on the cutting room floor is a Borgullet who is a memory trader, right? He lives on memories, and he especially, uh, he, he especially delights in traumatic memories. That they feed him, they're, they're more delicious to him. Um, so there was, at one point, a kind of a, a Han- space Hannibal Lecter scene where Borgullet... Um, Mage Jin trade her um, traumatic childhood memories for information that she wanted. Poor Gully. I mean, bro, like, <laughs> what? Poor Gully. <laughs> what? A memory trader. What's the point? That is stupid, isn't it? <laughs> I don't get it. Like, what? A memory trade off. Yeah, what? so. If you've got so um, so Jim's gonna be like, memories. yeah, okay, Borgully, I'll 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 trade you three bad memories. Yes, it for one bit of information, and Please. then and then saws in the background are shouting Borgully, and it's just like, what the hell is going on? It's no, about to lose one's mind. Um, I think I would have lost my mind if this had been in it. A memory. I mean, the way he is at the minute is like, okay, you know, Borgully will know the truth. Borgully will know the truth. Somehow he managed to extract information, and somehow. These sentient beings can um, re- can understand what this octopus is saying to them, um, but I don't know how that works. But, but I've got an issue with Borg. I did. I didn't like the way he looked when he first slopped up on the scene. But I don't. Have, I, I don't, don't care about I don't mind a bit of the Mr. old Gullet. Gullet. I don't but, mind uh, a bit of Monsieur Gullet, man. I'm right, Gullet over there, but um, he has a memory trait. He lives on memories. I mean, come on, just yeah, you know, get lost. That's <laughs> stupid, man. They're stupid. <laughs> It just okay. doesn't make sense. It's like, really? That's, I don't know. No, I like the weird bits of Star Wars because it's Star Wars and that, that's fun. But no, it's just stupid. You know, there are moments in every Star Wars film that you think that you would change. Yeah, everyone everyone has that, like, even if it's just real tiny things. Yeah. The ball gullet thing, I, I don't mind. It's, you know, it's one of the weird things in Star Wars that I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I like it because it's just so wonderfully weird. If oh, this wow. were to happen, bro, what? Get out of here. Poor yeah. Gullet. Yeah, exactly. No, so yeah, poor Gullet, we love you as you are. Never change. So last one, mate. One more uh, audio clip at least. So uh, shall we? 
Yeah, let's do it, mate. Um, again, I originally pitched. So I originally pitched a version. I never wrote it, but I pitched a, a version of that that Vader scene uh, in the hallway, which was actually out on the beach in Scarif, where the idea was that. Uh, Jin and Cassian had gone up the tower and the rebels had kind of bunkered in around it to prevent any, any Imperials following them, following them up. And the word got back to Vader and he started to we, we can't get to the tower because they've, the rebels have blockaded it. And Vader says, put me on that beach. I'll open the door for you. And he goes down there and just straight up murders every rebel on that <laughs> beach. And that would have been a cool scene. But again, it never really got past the pitch process. I never wrote it. But I love the fact that the idea of that scene ended up making it into the movie um, in the hallway, which I actually think works better because it's more contained. It's more claustrophobic. It's more, I mean, you're trapped in that room with him. And I think that's more scary. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So big boy Vader taken down falls on a beach. Okay. I won't lie to you. Go on. You know, the the thing is, because we were hearing all sorts of crazy things about Vader, and I was expecting, I remember Star Wars Celebration London, me and Isaac, me and Pevy, um, we camped out night before on a Thursday night on the cold floor. I slept for like 20 minutes, um, and uh, we went to the Rogue One panel on the Friday. And we saw this crazy Rogue One trailer and everyone was talking. The internet basically had rumors about Vader appearing in in Rogue One. And we saw the back of Vader's helmet. But basically, I I was kind of expecting a bit more. And I did hear, I heard rumors of Vader appearing on the beach in Rogue One. So there must be some truth in that. You know, I think there's a truth in a lot of these Rogue One rumors that we've we've heard because the production was so cray cray. Um, but no, do you know what, mate? Because they've explained everything anyway. I don't, you know, we don't need to go over everything again. But I think what we got it was it, from what I can imagine is so much better than Vader on a beach, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you for why lighting yes lighting yeah vader on a beach just to, to, like there's something about it i know what you mean you lose a bit of the it, menace don't you and there's such yeah. a wide open space is that you know yeah i know what you mean whilst we're yeah, that cold like they said you can't escape yeah there's something there's something that's like i don't know i don't know if i dig that and I'm sure they, it would have looked great and it would have looked amazing anyway. And we would have all fanboyed over it anyway. <laughs> but dark corridor. Silence. Breathing. Lightsaber. I mean, right. you can't do that on a beach. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm thinking about it now, mate. I love it. Yeah, it's one of the best moments in... Yeah. In life. Cinema. <laughs> in life, ever. It is ever. It's I think great. one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I mean, I've, I'm a father, but I mean, that Vader scene is right up there, man. Yeah, <laughs> um, for sure, man. I mean, for sure. I mean, uh, so for Vader slaughtering fools, yeah, come on, this is the fanboys in us. It's, it sounds churlish, but come on, I'd pay to see it. As you say, on a beach, it's not even just like the lighting, it's also the editing as well, because the beach is sprawling and you would have had. 30 or 40, 30, 20 to 30 rebels, maybe, or even 10 to 20 rebels. The editing needed to make it look like he's taken them all down without it being sort of like, like cut, 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 cut to next. Mm-hmm. It would have been, mm-hmm. it could have been like breakneck speed and you could have lost a lot of 
what we got. And I know that in the corridor, obviously it cuts between moments, but you get enough time to linger on what's going on. Or in the background, you see him beheading fools. You get everything you want. It's like the horror movie scene. Um, and it's it's perfectly shot. It's perfectly shot. And the music as well. I mean, what music are you going to play with Vader on the beach? You wouldn't, but that choral, that choral um, background, but isn't, this isn't going to work. On a la, beach, la, 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 la. You would have been like, la, 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 la. Um, and also, Anakin Skywalker hated sand. Vader has not gone on that beach. Yeah, Vader ain't going true. down there. Um, that's his but, secret. That's what the rebels planned all that's along. That's what I did. That's what I. I, I do. I love the idea that Jin and Cassian are in, um, are in the transmitting uh, tower. I love the idea, and that the the rebel soldiers have basically created a perimeter around the tower, a perimeter create, and then Vader's just there, like you. <laughs> good luck, boys. And he just comes in, and the rebels think they've got this impenetrable wall and Vader just comes in and just and just wails on all of them. Great. I like the idea of that just because it is just like, okay, this is prime Vader. But yeah, what we got, what we got, man, was just pure beauty. It was a thing of beauty. Um, yeah, for sure. So that's, for um, sure. so that was the voice clips. And I mean, we thought we'd just quickly touch on some of the other moments in Rogue One because we had a teaser trailer and a, and then the first trailer dropped and then the second trailer that dropped for Rogue One. The second trailer 95% of what's in that ended up in the film. In the teaser and trailer one, next to nothing ended up in the film. So it's kind of just some of the story beats that we know, um, that which have been confirmed to have either been in those trailers or have been confirmed to have been shot or were an idea. So we just thought we'd kind of chuck a few out there just to, just to kind of paint another picture of how different this film was or could have been. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> there's a few different things that were mentioned. Uh, we're not going to be playing any audio clips of these bits. Um, Matt, do you mind if I just if we just like run through these and then we'll we'll just pick them about afterwards? Is that what okay? You want my friend? So point one is that Chin and Cassian originally uh, written to survive the film. Um, there was another ending uh, that had Jin and Cassian escaping from Vader in a ship. Uh, trying to lose him in the Coruscant traffic, but failing. Um, Saw Guerrero was due to have a larger role, and Jin was an anti-hero in first trailers. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. Mm. I rebel. I rebel. You hated that. I rebel. That's it. Oh, bro. Speaking of uh, Ginny Boy, Jin was originally going to be a Sergeant Jin Urso. We had um, Krennic was originally killed by Vader for his failures on Scarif. The rebel base on Dantooine, which we heard in A New Hope, was originally actually in the movie. The the Jin versus Tie Fighter shot from the trailer, and there was a lot more sh- sh- um, shots from the beach as well. So that was just like the more notable ones. Out of those, mate, what you know? Tell me, man. Talk to me. I think they're all a bit naff, <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, I think they made some great decisions, and and I just wanna I just wanna mention we don't know for sure what what went to filming, yeah. and what was dropped before then. Like we we have no idea. This was a tightly sealed production, um, despite the rumors, despite the things. We don't have any extra footage, despite the fact we know there is. We know it's out there. Yeah, we know. Um, yeah, it, it's all a bit naff to be honest, and I think what we got in the end. Yeah, and I'm going to say this now, mate, because I, I wasn't going to say it from earlier. Um, 
I think that in the end, thanks to some good decision-making mm-hmm. and despite its flaws, despite other Star Wars films, and I'm talking original trilogy, prequel trilogy, having their own production issues, you know, we, we have got a film that is globally received as one of the best Star Wars or science fiction, science fantasy or fantasy or war or, you know, the list goes on, films ever, ever made. And it is that. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. You know, you know, I'm not a big fan of um, the bit in the rainy planet. I want I want to say Mimban. Thank you. Yeah, Edu. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not a big fan of that sequence. For me, that's where it slows down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, other than that, it, it, it does its job. You know, it's not, it's not trying to be episodic. It's not trying to be this fairy tale. It is just a World War II slash cowboy slash war film in in the Star Wars universe. And what we got in the end was marvellous. Yep, I mean, I can't I can't disagree. The idea of Jin and Cassian surviving in any way, shape or form, I don't know, I just it doesn't it just doesn't work because again they, they they're not force users, but they are they would be heroes of the rebellion. You'd expect to hear more from them. Where did yeah. they go in four, five and six? And the idea of them going to Coruscant and um Trying to outrun Vader, and then Leia would just ha- Leia would just happen to be on Coruscant, departing for Alderaan. It's like, uh, there's too much going on there. Saw Guerrero having a larger role. I mean, in the trailer, he said this line: "What will you do when they catch you? What will you do if they break you? If you continue to fight, what will you become?" Which I think was actually a pretty sweet line. Now, what 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 will you become? And his voice didn't sound so mental either. Plus, he had no hair in the first um, first uh, shots, first version of the film. He had no hair, and his voice wasn't quite so wacky. And then in the new in the version we got, he does have hair. So yeah, he but he was originally going to be on a living on an electrically charged planet, and Bodhi Rook was going to be like his lackey type thing. Which I don't like the idea of that. I didn't. I don't mind the idea of Saw having more to do. Because I think that line was interesting, you know, what will you do if they catch you and all that? Um, Jin being an anti-hero, I think she kind of was to start because she wasn't a hero. You know, she's a prisoner. She's a, you know, she's a rebel, but not in the sense that we we knew from before. Uh, the Sergeant Jin so I've actually seen those toys. I'm glad that she wasn't part of the rebellion because I think it makes it better that she almost was like a hero that came from nowhere and didn't need to rely on being a sergeant or you know being a Palpatine or something. Um, and then, like Krennic being killed by Vader, you know, I could have seen that. I loved how it went down. The only man, Krennic, the only man who could have stopped the Death Star being blown up because he knew the Rebels had the plans, was he got killed by his own machine. So he could have stopped the whole thing if he hadn't have been killed by the Death Star. Rebel base on Dantooine would have been cool, take it or leave it. The Jin versus Tie fighter shot, as far as I'm aware, that was manufactured just for the trailer. However, it would have been cool to see just for one of those like fist pump moments. And the beach shots. We we all remember the shots of the beach from the trailer of Jin and Cassian and the and the gang running through the beach with the plans in their hands towards the AT-ATs. And then that boss shot of Krennic walking through the battlefield with his cape flown in the water. You know, that is definitely from the first um, draft of the film. Because the first draft had the guys all dying on the beach. I don't know how Jin went out, but 
I know Cassian and K2 died on the beach. Um, and then I'm guessing that's when Krennic would be at the end of the battle, walking towards like the, the wreckage. And maybe then Vader would, uh, would have come and sorted them out. But there's nothing in that list, which makes me think, Oh, they've missed an opportunity there. Give it, you know, Saw Guerrero could have had a few minutes here or there. I guess so. Yeah. But you know, what we got of him was fine. So I'm, I'm not going to complain too much. So if there's anything else out there, guys, that we've missed, let us know. But uh, I think that kind of sums up the chat there, mate. So in conclusion, I know you've pretty much mentioned it, but everything you've heard from what we've just spoken about, the audio clips to what we've got, or even potentially what you would have loved to have seen, you know, Rogue One, you you, you dig what we get? Yeah, of course. Of course. Like I said, you know, we, we get a marvellous film, despite its problems despite its setbacks or whatever you know if i weren't if if i didn't know that there were those sort of problems bro like i i wouldn't i wouldn't have known otherwise i I agree mate um and again for fear of giving rankings away i'm just gonna say i i I really like what we got out of this film i think they did a wonderful job and as, as also props to tony gilroy for coming in and changing the course of this film because who knows what we would have got what would the film what would Rogue One have become without Tony Gilroy and also kudos to Gareth Edwards for people say he was playing ball no he wasn't playing ball he wasn't just a yes man Tony Gilroy was brought on board to work with Gareth Edwards to create the film that we got so it wasn't Tony Gilroy's film it was still Gareth Edwards film Tony Gilroy just punched up the script added bits in to make this work the links um yeah the filling in the sandwich but Gareth Edwards was still the man behind it. So um, to everybody yeah, on board, of course, you know, well done for what they created, for what they managed to to salvage from a troubled production. So yeah, Rogue One, thumbs up from me and thumbs up from Luke. And before we just head off, we want to say a special thanks to the guys at Cinefix for doing that interview with Gary Witter and Chris White. Thank you very much, guys. Let's. Hey, this is Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. So that was it, Rogue One. Every time I watch Rogue One, I get so joyful and depressed that I really need a drink. So isn't it just a fine coincidence that we've just stumbled across our very favourite old dusty drinking hole? So shall we chop in there, mate? Oh, let's do it, son. Look at those rogue guns over there. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Oh, look, there's Krennic having a drink. He doesn't look too happy. Uh, so as per, we asked you guys, the greatest listeners in the galaxy, for your thoughts on our main discussion. And here's what you had to say. Yeah, we got a lovely little spicy mix from yous. Um First up, we got Jobby King, who said, No Vader makes no difference. It was but a cameo and a wee added bonus. The Death Star was essential. We needed that to tie into A New Hope. But the movie could have succeeded without either. Great narrative, selfless heroes, diverse cast, the great choices of the Rebels and Empire, 9.5 out of 10. Wow, brilliant. Uh, Up next, we've got Brock Bellinger, who said, for me, the Darth Vader hallway sequence turned Rogue One from an excellent movie to an outstanding film. Spencer Wilding's performance as Darth Vader is perfect and these changes resulted in one of the most epic star wars scenes i would love to see a movie of vader doing that yeah agree with that brocky uh and joshi said 
there's a reason that it's seen to be the best Star Wars movie Disney has produced since acquiring Star Wars by many. Not mine, though, because that's solo. Awesome. Um, he goes on to say the Vader scene was so badass and showed him off as this powerful Sith Lord we all know him to be. And it needed the Death Star shown. We've got some great comments there. Thank you, guys. I said, cheers, lads, because in, in one of the original drafts, they were going to hide the Death Star and reveal it at the end of the film, which just would have been <laughs> ridiculous. Shadow of the Death yeah. Star. Um, local boy, huh? Martin Mead. Uh, he's dropped us this spicy voice message. On the subject of Rogue One's changes, screenwriter Tony Gilroy was quoted as having said, just in so much terrible, terrible trouble, that all you can do is improve their position. Bringing him in to write additional material to enhance the story and assist Gareth Edwards was, in my opinion, a masterstroke. The people in charge must have felt that the rewrites and changes were needed as they went ahead and implemented them. I think prior to the changes, Rogue One would have been a very different film and could have even potentially caused more of a rift in the fan base. I'm personally glad they poured in the amount of effort and attention to detail. They did, and as a Star Wars fan... I am very happy with the finished article. So all in all, rounding up with some fantastic hmm, execution. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the sessions. Thank you, Martin. Patreon, Martin. It's always good to hear your voice. Um, so Tony Gurawari came on to sort it out. And Martin says this, and I agree with him. It was a masterstroke because who knows what we could have got. Rogue One could would it would have been different, and yeah, I found this bit interesting. He, he said it could have potentially caused more of a rift in the fan base because the Force Awakens came out universally. Everyone, you know, breathed a sigh of relief that oh, it, it was a good film. If people didn't love it, I think most people at least thought it was a good film. It had its comments about the A New Hope stuff, but had Rogue One come out and been as absolute shambles of a film, could that have been the first rift in the? Um, in the fan base, you know, we'll never know, but judging by the Star Wars fan base, probably definitely yes. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Martin says happy with the finished article and he's extremely happy with the <laughs> execution. So thank you for that, mate. I, I agree, it was a masterstroke bringing Tony on, on Tony on board and it helped what could have been an absolute shambles. Yeah, thanks for sending that in, Martin. Echo your thoughts there, you naughty Essex boy. Um, up next, we've got Johnny O, who says, can't comment on whether the changes made the movie better, as we didn't see it before the changes. Fair point. Um, he goes on to say, but I love the movie we got. The Vader scenes were fantastic, but they're not the reason the film is good. Great characters and unique, gritty wartime setting. Mm. Awesome. Up next, we've got KT, who said, I think Vader and the Death Star made the film's final act one of the most action-packed, emotional, and powerful final acts to any Star Wars film. Another favourite scene of mine wouldn't have been possible if the Death Star didn't appear in the film. The whole sequence of the destruction, destruction of Scarif and the Rogue One crew, that shot of Krennic looking up at the silhouette of the Death Star in the final, final moments of his life. Yeah, Matty Boy's already uh, mentioned that in the show. It, it's one of the most, you know, brilliant and, dare I say, ironic, ironic. moments 
of the Star Wars saga, which is great. Yep. Cheers for that, guys. Both patrons again, so thank you. Uh, and our final written comments here, we had Imperial Rebel Orc said, No Vader scenes? That's crazy! I think the movie is perfect as it is. Uh, one of our patrons, Donnie Jeep, said, I personally love the movie we had, and that Vader scene is probably one of my favourite moments in Star Wars ever. So the original Rogue One could have been great, but with the could this, could that, we'll never know. Good point. And we know the one we got is great. For my favourite... And by a pretty long shot, Star Wars movie uh, from the Disney era. So this is Donnie's uh, number one film of the last, well, the last decade in terms of Star Wars. And from down under, the Sydney boy, the patron Darth Dildo himself said, the Vader scene really pushed the movie over the edge, to be honest. Added so much weight and gravitas, not only to Rogue One, but a new hope. That's crucial. And the story of getting the plans to Leia and then mm-hmm. Obi-Wan, etc. It added that urgency. The Force doesn't need to be the main focus in every Star Wars story. But it is great seeing it appear in some way as it's a very real part of the galaxy. Even for those that yes. don't believe in it or don't interact with it. This has got me wanting to watch Rogue One again. Well, well said. Boy, I went and watched Rogue One again the other day because of these comments. So get on the train. Oh, bro, I think I'm going to stick on Rogue One tomorrow. <laughs> I'm yeah. not even joking. <laughs> I think lad. I'm going to stick that bad boy on. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for the comments, guys. And finally, our last cheeky, naughty voice message. It's your favourite Welshman. It ain't Tom Jones, people. It's Luke Summerfield. Let's hear it. Hey, all you sessioners, rebels and scoundrels. All I can say is... Rogue One is a wonderful Star Wars movie, but I was always interested to see the scenes of Vader that were removed. But let's face it, that ending with Vader speaks for itself. And remember, stay safe, wash your hands, and Palpatine loves a good Rogue One session. Lukey boy! Lukey boy! You naughty legend. Yet, agree with everything you've said, mate. Agree with everything you've said. Rogue One is a 10 out of 10 banger, and we all know it, and we all love it, don't we? But to see where it falls on our lists, you might have to stick around for a show coming up very soon. Attention. Nice one. Thank you, Lukey boy. Always end end on this positive note. And what you said there, I think, summed up a lot of people's thoughts. And yes, Palpatine does love a good Rogue One session and so does uh, Jabba the Hutt over here so guys yeah thank you so much for sending in your comments and your voice messages please do keep sending them in we'll give our details at the end for the voice messages if you didn't hear your name read out today or your voice then keep sending them in we will endeavour to get them into another show so please do send them in because we enjoy listening and reading every week so um, that's the, the Bantina should we move on to what our little patrons have been saying yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Um, every week we get to answer some patron tier questions. Um, what tier is it, Matty Boy? They're it's on the. Uh, this is where the fun begins. The three dollar tier. This this is where the fun begins. Three dollar tier. You are guaranteed a question on the show every month. Um, up first, we've got Paul Buckle, who's a legend. Anyway, he asks this, and this this got me really thinking. People, he asks. <clears throat> In the Mandalorian, every bounty hunter has these tracking fobs. If that tech is available, why couldn't the Empire ever catch the rebels? 
bro. Paul. I, I don't wonder know. how the tracking fobs work, though. I, dude, I have wondered that. I wondered that from the first episode of The Mandalorian. But I, when I was watching The Mandalorian, I just thought to myself, oh, it's so good. So good. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was so good that, like, yeah, I didn't really question it. I kind of... It just I've, works I've had, does. Yeah, I've had, like, fleeting moments of the, the fob, you know, <laughs> mystery. Fob that's it. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't um, know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, so if the tech's available to to track people, um, uh, why couldn't the Empire ever catch the rebels? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna come out and just say because the tracking fobs were uh, manufactured once the Empire had fallen. Therefore, yeah, it was. Sure. Uh, I guess that's that's the only thing I could think of was that after Return of the Jedi and the New Republic took over because it's, it canon has stated that. Once the New Republic took over, you know, bounty hunters and that, you know, they, they had slim pickings. They were they had no work basically because there was less crime apparently. Um, so they so they had to kind of like um, pick and feed for their job. So the idea of having a guild which had fobs which you'd um, which you'd use to catch your prey, I don't know, it makes it a bit more legitimate. It's, it makes makes them fulfil more like a guild uh, rather than just a couple, like Boba Fett who's working by himself. That the guild works on based on these tracking fobs which. Um, I guess transmit data back to the to grief cargo and all that people's well, I don't know, but um had the tech been available, I mean I assume the Empire would have would have used it. Yeah. I think okay, so just as you've been saying that, I have thought that okay, so what if the technology was there for the Empire um but it wasn't refined enough? Um and now that obviously it's out of the Empire's hands. It can be refined and made better. Think rocket science from the fall of uh, Nazi Germany, end of World War Two. Rocket science was getting there, but the Americans went in and the British, the Allies, just went in, took the scientists, literally the German scientists and all of their work and stuff, and refined it, made it better. You know, a couple of decades later, you got a man on the moon, right? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, it could be something like that, um, and also, what if the the empire is more? Uh, it's more of a strict regime. So you know, maybe with the new republic, things are more looser. Like um, when people are tracked onto a planet, it's easier to find out that they're there. Whereas with the empire, because things were very tightly done, everyone had to smuggle their way in. Therefore, it's harder to track them. That that's kind of the. I mean, I've not properly thought it out, but that's kind of like the, my thought process. Maybe. I yeah yeah I I I think you've got you're onto something there, but it's one of potentially you know, a, a plethora, a smorgasbord of potential Ooh. reasons why it's a kind of good was it? Uh, reasons why um, for me, I uh, it, that's what I'm thinking, and that's what Luke is thinking. So definitively, I don't think there is an answer. Uh, unless Pablo or uh, Matt Martin on the story group want to come out and say, maybe we should tweet them and ask them. Um, that's what we think anyway. But Paul, or anyone listening as well, what do you guys reckon? Why couldn't the Empire track the Rebels if these backtracking faults were... If they were available, I believe the Empire would have tried to use them if they were, as Luke said, of a functioning quality. If not, then it would have been expanded upon to the state that they were now. But um, any more to say on tracking faults, matey? No, not really. I think it's a flipping good question. It is. It's got us thinking on a Monday night, which is a, on Key Addy Monday. It's, it's got us thinking. So, um, 
And here we go again. Local boy, her Martin Mead. Uh, new, quor- new, new quarantine. New Patreon. Get ahead of myself there. His question was, if you had to be quarantined on any planet from the Star Wars universe, where would it be and who would you isolate with? Now, I've taken this to mean who in universe would you want to isolate with? So um, my first thought is Canto Bite. I mentioned that quite a lot, but I could see myself rolling in Canto Bite with uh, come on, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda, me, 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 me and Babs Yods in Canto Bite, we would, mate, we'd be the talk of the town. Um, especially me in a tuxedo after I've been in a strict regime of dieting. Man, me and Baby Oda would be all over that, man. Uh, maybe, or otherwise, just me, Ray, and on Coruscant, you know, in the upper tiers would be very lovely. But what about you, mate? Um, wherever Uber Eats is, mate. <laughs> wherever Uber Eats is, and that, as long as I'm getting my discount code, I'm there, mate. So, you know, you're looking at your Naboos. You're looking Ooh, about, at your Coruscant. What about Coruscant? Currison, yeah, mate. Love it. As long as they do a bolty, I'm telling you, I'm there. Give me my naan bread, give me my pilau rice, give me a samosa on the side. Oh, mate. And who are you sharing it with, mate? That. In universe. I'm all over that. Um, in terms of who, if I'm on a place like Coruscant, I need some beef with me, you know? And assuming the timeline is right, I'm going to say Obi-Wan. Um, because I, I reckon we'd get along moderately well and he'll be able to protect me. Nope. I'll say and that. Got a great beard and great accent. Just beefcake, really, isn't he? All round beefcake. Bit like Martin. A bit like Martin. Imagine, imagine Luke, Martin and Kenobi, you know, swaggering around Coruscant. Three Mate, beef magic, magic Martin. That's it. The beefless met the cake. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Martin, thank you very much for that. Matey Booze, again, what would you say? Martin, what's your answer? And everybody else, what are you saying? Yeah, exactly. What are you saying, mate? <laughs> what are um, you saying? And, 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 and finally, we got another one from familiar geezer, Sean Hudson. I've heard of him. Who, who says, would you eat a porg with Aramat? Also, is there more beautiful spice of cinematography in the whole saga than the Holdo maneuver? It's his piece, oh, not man. spice. He loves spice it, in the brain. Would I eat a porg? Yeah. I can't go around. I can't. I'm one of these people that, for the most part, I will, I will try. I will try anything. Bro, I eat chickens. I, I really love cows. Like, if you go to North Essex, mate. It's going to sound stupid, mate, but like if you go to North Essex, um, there is a gorgeous, gorgeous place my missus and I go to, like loads in the summer. Um, Dedham. You ever been yeah, to yeah. Dedham? I know of Dedham. And you go to Dedham and there's like, I, I uploaded it onto my personal stories last summer, um, but we went there and there's always cows there by this like river, by this riverbank, and there's fields. There's like farmer's fields next to it and it's, it's constable country country so it's where constable used to paint loads mm-hmm. and um the landscape's really pretty it's really quaint when it's summery it is gorgeous and there are these beautiful cows there and like they're, they're so tame and so nice but bro like i'm pretty sure we've done that before and i've gone and had a mcdonald's on my way home <laughs> you heartless Do you man. see what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. so made you hungry yeah 
it's it's one of those things where I don't differentiate whether that's for like whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. I think I'm getting a bit too deep into this. I apologise. Um, yeah, yes, I'd eat a porg. Um, cinematography, the Holdo maneuver, is certainly one of the highlights of the whole saga. I can't, I cannot argue that. What I can argue is that I think I prefer Twin Sunset. Mm. I think, yeah, I think I, I think I prefer. I think there's a couple of things I prefer, to be honest. Va- like Vader in the hallway, as an example, when he's just lit his lightsaber. Bro, that... And what I'm saying is the use of light in that is crazy. But yeah, the Holdo maneuver is crazy. And it's very Japanese. Yes. Very Japanese. But there right. we go, Matty boy. What about you? Pork and Aramat, as long as my daughter's not around because she loves porks, then, man, I'd feast on a pork, Aramat all day, Kentucky Fried Pork, KFP. I'd have some of that oh. all day long. It's- is there a more beautiful piece of cinematography? Um, I, for me, there's so many, and I don't mean that um, derogatory. There's so many good ones. I mean, The Last Jedi, it, uh, you could probably pick out 20 from The Last Jedi. Luke staring down the First Order. Luke and Kylo on crate fight facing each other. Um, the, the throne room scene. Luke looking out of these twin sons of Akto. I mean, that's just off the top of my head. Uh, they, uh, some of The Force Awakens, like the, the Crash Star Destroyer on Jakku. Rogue One with the Death Star as it um, blasts Jeddah when it eclipses the, the the moon and then you see the green thing come down. Attack of the Clones for what could be one of the worst-looking films in the hit saga has some great moments like Anakin as he's going to the Tusken Raiders and he's going through the really orange sun of Tat- Tatooine. He's almost like silhouetted. That's beautiful, mm. beautiful bit mm-hmm. of cinematography. Um, and like, Mandalorian the as well. The Mando's got I know, some I know, I, 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 I t- I didn't want to count that in it, but I, you know, I can't go without saying, like, The Mandalorian, bro, like, that, fil- that film, TV show. It might as well be a film. The Mando's got some great ones. I mean, there's so many good ones. The prequels have a lot of good cinematography or at least shots in it. The sequel trilogy, uh, I mean, The Last Jedi is pretty much the most be- one of the most stunning-looking sci-fi films I've seen in terms of just actually, like, pure technique. Uh, I think it's wonderful. So Holdo Maneuver's definitely up there, mate. For sure, for sure. And thank you for sending in those questions, guys. Um, And if you want to get involved in the Patreon action, go to www.patreon forward slash Star Wars sessions for bonus content. We've got stuff coming real, real soon. We are fulfilling those quarantine needs. Um, And if you want to wear Star Wars sessions, you can wear us now, guys. Public dot com forward slash user forward slash star wars sessions and um we also have a spicy discord server chat it's like a group chat that's going down if if it's amazing we all say good morning on it and like share pictures and stuff while we've been recording this guys have been messaging on it and it's it's just lovely to see it really is a joy to be part of so if you want to be part of that dm us on social media and we'll uh, give you the link Yep, you can look as cool and beefy as Jimmy Adams, who who purchased a T-shirt for this week, and I can't wait to see how how hunky he looks in that. And yeah, check out the Discord. I now know that Alex Jessup had a quacky and monkey lizard for his dinner tonight. So yeah, check it out, guys. And if you want to join the Discord, let us know, and we'll we'll uh, we'll give you the invite. There's no there's no uh, restrictions as uh, as who can enter. Just come and join and read the rules and come and have a good time, guys. So um, that's it. Let's leave this. Let's put our pipes down. Let's leave the band Cena. And let's hear some uh, some beautiful tones. They can send. They could send a, a child off to sleep 
We're going over to Curtis Smith with a poem which ties beautifully into this episode. No lie is safe. A mind-reading cephalopod, he'll give your frontal lobe a prod. His name is Borgullet, he'll read thoughts through your mullet, whenever Saw gives him the nod. Side effects may include madness, anxiety, anal leakage. Ask your doctor if Borgullet is right for you. Find me on Twitter at Star Wars Poet, on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Poetry, Always Star Wars, always poetry, always original work, posting daily. Well, Gullet, no lie is safe. Thank you very much for that, Curtis. Always happy to hear the classics once again. And we all know when Curtis Smith goes swimming, Jaws stays on the beach. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love it. Always, Curtis. Always a spicy, naughty, filthy legend. This is Patrick Schneider. Senior Brand Manager for Hasbro Star Wars Fan Business. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions. Possibly Britain's spiciest Star Wars show. <laughs> Goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen. It's the Star Wars Sessions Game! You've heard the jingle, you know what it means, it's game time! It's my turn to host this week, and uh, Lukey Boy, are you ready for what's in store this week? Yes, I am, mate. Lay it on me. Lay it on me thick. Thick. Here we go, like peanut butter on a hot summer's day. This game is called... I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh, okay. Now, there have been 11 uses of that phrase in the movies, Star Wars movies. 12 of oh. you include Rogue One, but I'm not including that in this game. What I'm going to play for you is some distorted voice clips. And you need to tell me who said the, the, the I've got a bad feeling about this line and from what film it's from. Oh, my days. Okay. So, are you ready, my friend, for number one? So, who yeah, said it and on. what film is it from? Okay. Here we go. I'm bad feeling about this. I'm bad feeling about this. Oh, mate. What? This is this is mental, mate. What? Like, this is crazy. Can I have it one more time, please? Oh, here we go. Uh, here one more time, of course. I'm bad feeling about this. Okay, I think that's Leia. And what film? I think it's Empire. <laughs> You've got it spot on. It's Leia in Empire. Oh. Yes, mate. Yes, mate. I oh, didn't think you were going to get that. I'm glad you got one and it worked. So that's good. Mate, oh, mate. I don't know how. That's it. That's Here. it. Okay, one down. Let's Here go. We go. Let's Next do one. It. Number two. I had a bad feeling about this. I had a bad feeling about this. Okay, I think that's Obi Wan in Attack of the Clones. It was Obi-Wan Kenobi, but it was in Revenge of the Sith. Oh. Revenge of the Sith. Did get half a point? Yeah, I'm going to give you half a point because you got it out. Okay. So this is out of 22. I'll take so you've, that. So you've got, one and a, you've got two and a half out of 22 so far. So, number three, my friend. Here we go. I got a bad 
nothing about this. <laughs> that is... I got a bad feeling about this. It sounds like a battle droid. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. But it's it's not, is it? It's not a battle it's droid. Not a battle. It's not. Like, I was sitting there, I was like, a battle droid. It do, now I hear it, it does sound like one, but um, I'll play it again It sounds for you. just like a battle droid. Here we go. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? What are you thinking, big boy? I I think that could be Ray. And what film? From from The Force Awakens. I got a bad feeling about this. It's Han Solo from A New Hope. No way. Here we go. I got a bad feeling about this. No Dreshka way. Factor. I was thinking that sounds like way more high-pitched than I would have thought. I was like, nah, that's yeah. got to be like a, a female voice or something. That's it. That's it. Messing with the speed and the pitch. Here we go. One last time, just go. for fun. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So, number four, my friend. You ready? Yep. Yep. <laughs> that... See, it sounds like BB-8. But with the distortion, is BB-8 just R2-D2 distorted? Oh, he's, he's got him on the right. I don't know. It doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> it all... Like, what does it all mean? What have I done to him? Um, Here we go. I, I'm going to go... You know what? I, I'm i going to go with my first answer. I think that's BB-8. And what film? And I think that's in maybe The Last Jedi. <laughs> Spot on. BB-8 and The Last Jedi, right at the beginning as they're attacking the Dreadnought. Nice. Okay. Spice. Right, next one. Number five. Here we go. I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> That's C-3PO. It is C-3PO. That is hands down C-3PO. And where does he say that? Return of the Jedi. Yes! You got another two. You know what he bought. Yeah. Damn, I know Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sitting, I'm celebrating. I'm like, da- wow, do I know this saga? <laughs> yeah. He's a and I'm not. I'm not even. Yeah, mate. Okay, let's let's smash Here it. Here we go. Next one. I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> that is. That is Anakin Skywalker in Revenge of the Sith. I've got a bad feeling about this. Is it not? It's Anakin Skywalker in Attack of the Clones. Oh. One point for that, my friend. Okay. Right, okay. Next one. i got a bad feeling about this. Oh, one more time. I got a bad feeling about this. Hmm. I got a bad feeling about this. Is it Poe? Poe Dameron in The Rise of Skywalker? I got a bad feeling about this. You get one point out of two. It's Lando Calrissian in The Rise of Skywalker. Oh. I got a bad feeling about this. Damn, yeah. No, I wouldn't have got that. Okay, right. Of course. No, it it's does sound like Lando. Yeah. So here okay. we go. Next one. Yeah, fair here play. Very bad feeling about this. <laughs> wait, wait. Can I, <laughs> can I hear that one again, please? 
That is, mate, I'm pretty sure that's Hayden Christensen. So, no, I think that's Anakin Skywalker. We've done clones, so that's Revenge of the Sith. Or, no. Go on. No, it can't be. Go on. It can't be. It's Luke. (laughs) What film? Return of the Jedi. I'll give you one point. No, A New Hope. You got it. I'll give you two points. It is A New Hope. It's Luke Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, that was a process. I'm cheating a little bit. There. That was a process of elimination. I only, I, I know it sounds stupid. I, I didn't pay attention to the Wookiee sound. <laughs> yeah. In slow-mo. But there we go. There we go. I, I thought that was Papa, but no, it was Son. It's, it's Son Skywalker. Here we go. Right, last few now. I have a really bad feeling about this. That is Luke. And one more. Here we go. I have a really bad feeling about this. Is it Luke or is it Han? Here again. It's 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 Return of the Jedi. I have a really bad feeling about this. Oh, is that Luke or Han? I can't tell. You. I can't tell. <laughs> Say it again. Go. Do it again. Drop sorry, it again, DJ. I have a really bad feeling about this. That is that is Han Solo. Going Han for Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I think if so. If I was Borgallet Memory Trader, I'd give you two points for that, my friend. It is Han and Return of the Jedi. Oh! Right. It, it's Return of the Jedi. It, it was Han and Return of the Jedi, yep. Oh, sweet. Right. Okay, cool. Two more now. Here we go. Here again. That's, I think that's Leia. Here we go. Play it again. Is that Leia? Does Leia say that? You tell me, my friend. I think that's Leia in Empire. So you're going Leia in Empire, are you? I think so. Unless I've already said that. This doesn't include the spin-off films. Uh, nope. Okay. All right. I, okay, then. I th- I think, then, it is... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put... I'm going to do a crazy suggestion, because I don't even know for sure if she says that in this, but I think it's Rose in The Last Jedi. That's my friend. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Phantom Menace right at the beginning. The no first ever way. words of the prequel trilogy sounded like this. No That is way. Obes Canobes. Fair play, mate. Fair play. Got, got done. Got done. Right, the final one, my friend. Here we go. This is what it sounds like. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> oh. Did I, hang on. Go on. on. We'll do that go. one again. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Me of a cult. Oh, flipping hell! Sound a bit, sound a bit Jack so the Ripper, didn't again. they? I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Finn. We're going for Finn. Going it's for Finn. Finn. What film? Finn. Finn in the Ro- Force Awakens. I got a bad feeling about this. With that, 
I'm going to give you one point. Han Solo oh. in The Force Awakens. Oh. Naughty. Then that, and that, then that does finish the game. So what did you end up with? Oh, one, oh. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen out of twenty-two. Respectable. I'll take that. I'll take that. It's not man. bad. But I have a good feeling about that. I do. Because you did very well, my friend. I do. But, but, bro, I. You know what? I have a good feeling about next week, May the fourth, Instagram live show, eight p.m. London time, bro. Filth, boys. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Yep. So that's the end of episode 61 of Star Wars Sessions. Next week, we're going to drop a few bombs for you, the Instagram Live, and we've got a sweet show lined up for you next week and the week after, in fact, as well. But however, without getting ahead of ourselves, that is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? They can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk, starwarsessions.co.uk. They can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars Session with no S at the end. That's at Star Wars Session on Twitter. They can slide into our galactic DMs on the Instagram at Star Wars Sessions. There's an S on that one at Star Wars Sessions on Instagram or feel free to drop us a cheeky voice note or message to our email address, sws at whatiwatchedtonight.co.uk. That's sws at whatiwatchedtonight.co.uk. And if you want to support the show further, please consider checking out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. Yes, dear. We are on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Deezer, iHeartRadio, everywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast you will find us there. And if you love our show, please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice and head on over to podchaser.com. It's the IMDB for podcast. It's awesome. Our faces are on there. So drop us a review on there too if you have 30 seconds spare because it helps to show out. It helps us grow. It helps us get out to more listeners. And we just love hearing from you guys every single week. Yeah, and please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum. Tell your dad. Tell your mates, tell your cats, go tell Gareth Edwards while you're at it and tell your Ewok, tell your cousin, the more, the merrier, and you will know it and you will love it, don't you? It's Kessel Spicier. Make sure you tell all about it as well. Tell him this is the podcast you're looking for. So until next time from me, it's Sia and from Luke. May the force be with you always. Essex-based podcast heroes... Well, Gullet, we'll know the truth. Tell that to Kanja Club. <laughs>